0: Welcome to the L&D Career club podcast where purpose-driven people come to start and grow the LD career of their dreams. I'm Sarah Canistra, an LD career business and executive coach and I'm here to take you on a weekly journey to create a seamless energizing and engaging LD career blueprint so you can live a life of fulfillment inspiration and freedom. If you're here to find your first LD role, move up the LD ladder or land that high-level LD role you've been dreaming of, Welcome to the club. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the L&D Career Club podcast. I am so excited. I am kicking off this new year um, super strong so far. I think I mentioned in last week's episode, uh, for me, I do a lot of my goal setting and clear planning uh, closer to my birthday, which is coming up um, next week. Uh, So I will be sharing a little bit more about what I have planned for that in just a moment. Uh, but I've been getting kind of the laying the foundation over the last uh, couple days, and yeah, I feel really excited going into 2024, and I hope you all are too. Uh, but speaking of planning, I am a first of all so excited. We've had so many new members inside of the L and D Career Club, so welcome to all of you who have joined the membership. Um, as a reminder, we now have three new membership tiers, starting at $19 a month. So uh, any more information you want on that, please let me know. But like I mentioned, we have three tiers. Uh, we have our basic tier, which gives you access to part of our community, our community portal, as well as our weekly prompts, which will give you the step-by-step strategy to help you find and move towards that new LD role. Uh, we have then our light version of our membership, which gives you access to part of the community, as well as all of the coursework and those weekly prompts. You have access to my entire course library, plus any new courses that get, um, get distributed and created throughout the year. And then lastly, we have the premium. Membership and that is the big shabam uh, that gives you access to all of the content plus coaching, our co-working sessions, live date sessions with me. Uh, We have our resume office hours, our resume review, our interview office hours, our in-house mentorship, all the things. So, link to join us inside the LND Career Club is as always inside of the show notes but I do want to take a minute to talk about what I'm gonna do for my birthday celebration so every year uh, since I've been in business I love celebrating my birthday by the way it's just something I just love and I'm unapologetic about that so I'd love to celebrate my birthday with all of you now I'm not gonna announce this publicly um, on LinkedIn or in emails until Monday the 15th so I'm giving my podcast listeners a heads-up per usual in case you want to join in on the celebrations a little bit early. So I am turning 36 years old, which I'm very excited about. My mom keeps telling me she can't believe she has a 36 year old, Um, but I am turning 36. And so in honor of being 36, I am going to play with that number a little bit. So we're going to have three different options available and three different Promotions, I guess, and celebrations, uh, in terms of ways that we can work together and also celebrate my birthday. So we'll start um with the we'll start with the big one. We'll work our way down. Uh, I am gonna open up just one spot for this. So um, if you are listening to the podcast and you do wanna uh wanna snatch this up, I'm gonna put the link in the show notes. And once the link is gone, um, that means it's gone. So just a heads up there too. But. For $3,600, I am going to open up access to the L&D Career Club Premium. So that's normally 19 dollars um, Access to the L&D Career Club Premium plus 30 days of one-on-one coaching with me. And thirty days of one-on-one coaching on its own is three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars. So basically, you're getting uh, quite the deal here. You're getting about uh, uh, several thousand dollars off. That to combine would be fifty-three thirty-two, and so you're getting it for thirty-six hundred. So you're getting about a little over seventeen hundred dollars off that like i said opening up just one of those spaces i'll put the link in the show notes but when that link is gone um that means that the space is gone as well so heads up there Um, then moving our way down for $360, I am offering a four course bundle. Haven't quite decided what courses are going to be in there just at this moment, uh, but it's going to be some good juicy ones. So I'm going to offer a four course bundle, um, for $360. So, and that's, again, those are $199 each. So you're getting those at about half off, if not more. And then what I'm most excited about, I'm excited about all of them, but for $36, I'm going to do a three masterclass bundle Um, so any some replays of my master classes that I've done um, throughout the last year or so will be available for sale I don't typically put those up for sale um, but I am going to do that so I'm going to drop the links, all the information about um, them inside of the show notes. That way you have them. Again, I'm just letting my podcast t- crew uh, know this ahead of time. So still working out some logistics behind the scenes, but want you all to be the ones to grab it, especially if you want that um, that solo $3,600 um, Space inside the LD Career Club, plus having those 30 days of one on one coaching with me. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, my birthday is the 19th, so very excited to celebrate that. Uh, I will be taking some time off. My husband and I, and a couple of our friends, are going away to wine country here in Texas, and it's going to be like zero degrees. It's going to be so cold. Um, but a little bit of wine never hurts to warm us up. So, uh, stay tuned. I'll be sharing more about this and I'll give you more details next week inside the episode. Uh, we'll talk more about it. I'll have more details, like I said, but uh, if you want to go ahead. And snag your space, get started on those. Uh, those will be up and available for you to get started on um, once this podcast goes live. So just make sure that you look at the show notes and grab those links. And if you have any questions, of course, you know, you can always DM me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at hello at the overnight trainer.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. We have someone who I've been now connected with for probably a little over a year. Um, it's just, again, the beauty of LinkedIn. That's what I always think is somewhat of the silver lining of the pandemic of how uh, how connected we all became to people who we probably wouldn't have met. Um, otherwise, right? if the world hadn't shifted so much as, as it did. And so uh, today we have Gary Stringer on, and he's a senior content marketing manager at How Now. He's joining us on the show. He is from across the pond. Um, so again, might not have crossed paths if it wasn't for this whole virtual world that we live in and all of this beautiful connection. Um, but Gary has worked in copywriting and content marketing for the last seven years, and has spent the last three years of his career inside the L&D space, where he plans and delivers successful content strategies, refines those through ongoing analysis continues to find creative ways of connecting with audiences he does this all at a learning experience platform called how now they're so cool y'all he talks more about it on the show so you'll get to learn a little bit more about what they're doing there but Gary also co-hosts the L and D Destruct Live podcast, which I've been a guest on, Uh, and he speaks to fascinating L and D folks every two weeks. So a great follow as well uh, if you're into podcasts, which you probably are since you were listening to this podcast right now. um, I highly suggest giving that a listen. And as a special bonus, Gary is giving y'all a free guide. I put the I dropped it in the show notes as well, but it's called Thirty Seven Lessons for a Winning L and D Strategy. So make sure to go to the show notes to grab that. But I love this conversation. I told Gary afterwards, this is probably one of my most favorite podcast interviews that I've ever done. Uh, I went into it, I went into it thinking that I knew a lot about content and copywriting uh, and I walked out realizing I didn't know as much as I thought I did and I walked out learning so many new things. I have gone back and listened to this podcast episode a couple times myself because there were so many great nuggets I needed to go back through uh, and take notes. So get your pens, papers, pencils, Google Docs ready. And let's get started with Gary's episode. Gary, welcome to the LD Career Club Podcast. What's going on today?
1: Not much. Thank you for having me. I'm um, I'm good. I've got a little bit of a lost my voice slightly because it was our Christmas party at the weekend and we did karaoke and I really like karaoke. So that's why I'm slightly husky. This isn't my normal Oh,
0: you didn't tell me that before we hit record. What is your what is your go-to karaoke song?
1: I, I went rogue last week. We sung um what is it called it's raining men and uh, don't stop believing by journey I don't really have the vocal range for that but we, we went for it anyway
0: are there is there video evidence of this
1: there is but I definitely won't be sharing it be will honest, it be honest. will
0: it be on the how now website <laughs> <I really hope laughs>
1: will you be not. posting I... it
0: on the how now LinkedIn <laughs>
1: oh, I definitely hope not I really hope not
0: <laughs> oh, I love it well I'm so happy to have you here um Happy to return the favor. You had me on a couple. What was that? how long ago was that?
1: It seems maybe like maybe March. I think.
0: Oh man, this year's been flying by, but so excited to have you on. I have just really enjoyed, especially this year, following your own personal branding and content journey and what you've been doing with How Now. And uh, I think the topic we're going to talk about today, in terms of copywriting and content marketing, it's so important, and I think it's something that is rising to the surface a little bit more. I I hear more L&D professionals talking about it, uh, but I don't think we necessarily talk about it enough and in the right context. So you're going to be here to help us do that. Uh, But before we dive in, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your career journey. Um, And I've, I obviously stalked you on LinkedIn and I uh, got to see kind of your twists and turns and how you've grown in the content marketing space. So I'd love to hear kind of where you started from a career perspective, how you've grown in your career, and how did you end up in the content marketing space for an LXP company?
1: Yeah, no worries. So my background is in advertising and marketing. I'm one of those rare people who studied something and then went on to do it. When I left uni, I decided to work at an agency for a while because it was actually just a really competitive space, hard to find a role. So just went into an agency role. And luckily for me, for progress wise, all the people above me kept leaving and I kept getting promoted. And the more I got promoted, the further away I was from writing, which is the thing I always wanted to do. So actually, funny enough, I know you work with a lot of people in their career transitions, but I actually took about three years out of marketing, just some time to chill Then I was a delivery driver for a while. And then in 2016, I wanted to go back into a role that was only about copywriting and content to save me making the same mistakes again. So I did that at a travel company, which was really fun. Who doesn't want to write about holidays all day? Travel doesn't pay that well and you can't progress that quickly. So I had to do something less interesting, which is more of a data, still a little bit with travel, but mostly data. Um, But the problems I found there was, again, it was difficult to progress. And I was writing with a very formal tone of voice because it was based around data and then in 2020 i was like right i need to do something that is fun tone of voice can progress there and then i saw the job description for how now and it was written by a ceo nelson who has a nice tone of voice as well so i think it was mainly the tone of voice that drew me in first of all like this isn't written like a boring job description i really like this tone of voice seems like once i dug into it it's a company i could progress and then the rest is history i've I've been there for almost four years now
0: Wow, that's amazing. And I love too how um, you really use your own skill of copywriting to be able to suss out if this could be the right role for you. You know, it's like you almost, I talk a lot about it with career transitioners, people looking for a new job, of how important. It's not just about the right role, but the right company. And so for you, like the right company meant having the right voice. And so I love that you were able to say, yes, okay, this is the, a role I want to be in. And also the way that I'm doing it and the voice that I want to do it in has to align too." and uh, utilizing that skill that you have to, to, to laser focus in on that is so yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, I spoke to someone recently, because I know like L&D teams will overlap hiring and talent. But that is one of the best things you can do if you're looking to recruit for roles is how can you bring your brand tone of voice to your job descriptions and your titles, because it's such a crowded space. Now. The other week, I saw one where the job title was just we need someone to write these words for a copywriter. (laughs) And if you think that there's like 10,000 other ones that just say copywriter, content marketer, seeing something like that does draw you in straight away. And then the job description kind of followed the same tone. And it was really interesting to see how copywriting was being leveraged by a talent team to say, this is how we can stand out and give a fair representation of what our brand does to people who might apply. So I love that as well.
0: Yeah, it's so cool to see. And that's why I'm so happy to have you on the show and talking about really the art of copywriting because being able to, I think so for so many years and probably decades now, it's just been under like marketing, right? And marketing, copywriting and it's for I'm all about a brand, but that's all external and to a customer. And then I think we saw it more move, you know, to internal customers and internal language, but still under marketing. I remember at a company I worked at like a decade ago, we had someone who their job was internal marketing. And so they did a lot of copywriting for our, our employees, but it still never really trickled over into things like job descriptions or learning and development. And so you you have a, a disconnect there in the voice of there's a voice external and there's this t- voice also internal, but then the, that everything else is, is super rigid or just doesn't quite align. And so I'm excited that we're going to be able to talk about really bridging that gap and how do we bring copywriting and content marketing really to everything that we do, especially in L&D. So I do want to start with the basics, though, and we were talking... Before we hit record, about how like we could really deep dive into this 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 conversation, right, and, and this topic. Um, but I do want to I do want to really go through the fundamentals first and make sure that we're all aligned. So, how do you define copywriting? Because I I've heard lots of different definitions. I know people have a lot of definitions of what they would say. Oh, this is copywriting. This is not. So, I'd love to know really to set the baseline. How do you define copywriting?
1: Yeah. For me, I'm definitely keen on not overcomplicating things. And like you said, that's the tone of the conversation we want to have. So I always try and just view copywriting as a few things. One is writing to compel people to take action or persuade them to do something, potentially just to engage people or add value to them or to make them aware of something. And I think if we think of copywriting in those terms, that's often the three biggest things it can help us do. So, either persuade people to take action, engage them, and get them to spend time with our content, or to just make them aware of an issue or our brand or something like that. So, a simple answer would be those three things.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it goes really nicely to the next question I have, which is how, like, what role does that have? So, I'm already, my wheels are already spinning now, hearing your definition. So, I'd love to know for you, like, what role copywriting has in LD, given that definition. And then like what can like what can it make or break? Like what what can copywriting make really good, but what can it also what could bad copywriting like make terrible?
1: <laughs> well, I think make or break is an interesting framing because actually good copywriting will make or break your LND efforts. Like uh, I am not over-exaggerating there either, because even the fact of whether your content is found come down as to good copywriting. Because if the title isn't compelling, if you've not thought about the language your audience uses when you write the title in a description of your piece of content, that makes the discoverability of it so much harder. If we don't write it in the language that our audience use, it's also not particularly applicable to the problems they face. And then on a wider level, that just spills over to our awareness as well. If we're not speaking in a way that resonates with people and you think about everything else that's competing for their attention, then poor copywriting really just hits you at the first hurdle. No one knows where your content is. Nobody knows that it can solve a problem for them. No one even sees that you're doing it because they're being bombarded by another million other messages that don't resonate with them. So it just becomes part of the noise. So I do think it's not an exaggeration to say good copyright will make or break your LND efforts to some extent.
0: Yeah, I love that. I was just thinking too, right? Of like, we spend so much. I now hate this word, but we spend so much effort focusing on making learning engaging like now I'm just so over the word engaging like I just like so over it um I was talking about this with my clients the other day but we spend so much time you know harping on that and stressing on that hyper fixating on it but that will will create this quote-unquote engaging course or program or whatever that we call it like sales 101, you know? And it's like, you know, you're, you're already setting yourself up for failure because it's like, okay, here's sales 101. And so that, that just made me think of like, even thinking back to courses I've created that are so great. uh, At least I think they are, but you know, we get good feedback on them, but then thinking like, wow, like how many people did we miss? Cause they're like, oh God, here, another sales, another, another sales 101. I've taken this at every company I've been at. Um, And so I, you're already setting yourself up for that not failure but if engagement is what the you limits. want and you're you're already yeah you're you're already limiting yourself in yeah. terms of you know getting that excitement encouraging people to to take that action um, yeah. and something as simple as how you're naming your course can can really make or break if people are going to be excited or compelled to take it or if they're like okay here's another sales 101
1: yeah and you know what it's not even loads of copywriters do this as well. And I've done it myself in the past. It's such a afterthought. I spent like two days writing this long guide. And then I'll just call it like generic knowledge sharing, you know, like something just terrible yeah, guide, and,
0: guide to yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And I want it to be found in Google search results, which is one of the most competitive places possible, where you need to stand out. And yet I'm spending all this time on a great piece of content. And then I'm the, the other thing, the title that's going to get people to see it or click on it is an afterthought. And actually, there's a good framework that I learned from a book that's just called the four U's. And if you can include as many of the four U's in something, so it's useful, ultra-specific, unique, and urgent. But I, I like to think it was time-sensitive. So if you're including some degree of urgency, if it's unique about the problem it solves. So, for example, how to... Respond to customers when the system's down is like a useful resource because it's unique. The system's down is the unique part of it. It's useful because it's how to respond to customers. It's urgent because we know that the context of that is urgent. Um, it's ultra specific because it's adding those things together is just one problem that's going to pop up very rarely or in a set context. So don't let your titles be an afterthought and try and use as many of those four users as you can. And that's a great framework that anyone can apply to titles.
0: I love that. I will be... I am taking mental notes, and when I get to go back and listen to this again, I will be taking some physical notes and using that. So I think again, it's like those easy frameworks where we can. A lot of these things are afterthoughts, but the things that are the afterthoughts can really impact our employees on their journey, their on their learning journey, and um, like it's 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 like it's psychology really is what it is at the end of the day. And are we enticing them? Are we compelling them? Or are we pushing them away by something as simple as a as a title or not yeah. making it easy to be to be found?
1: Yeah. And then the next step is applying a similar mindset within the content itself. So another good thing or pitfall people fall into is create this great content and then it's just structured as like a wall of text. But when people are coming to your content to solve a problem, they want it signposted to them, which parts solve which problem. So use subheadings in a similar way. And you're like, this is go back to our example, this is why the system might be down. So there's all the context of why it might be down. Then there might be context around how long does it take to get the system back up? And then that might be useful to someone to reply. Then you might have a subheading template response for when this happens. So even within your content, the way you structure it and then you're intentional about the subheadings, that makes it usable. So that's another way it kind of makes or breaks how useful a piece of content is.
0: Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing too, it's like the content in and of itself, the copy could be incredible and it could be compelling, but the structure of it is almost equally as important to make sure it's found. So, I mean, with that in mind, uh, what do you think makes for for good copy? And this could be, I and mean, we can talk structurally and then obviously, of course, as far as uh, the the content in and of itself. So I'd love to know what makes for good copy and then what you, you in your opinion makes for bad copy.
1: Yeah, I think again, if we're keeping it really simple, well, one thing I always tell people: if it's boring to write, it's boring to read. So that's which a bit goes of back dope. to like for you, right?
0: Yeah. Like reading that job description, like those job yeah. description was fun to read, and so you wanted to work yeah. somewhere where it was fun to be and fun to write. So yeah. I love that. That's a I, I I've heard you say that before, and I love that
1: yeah that's just a good rule of thumb like if you're having a terrible time writing this it's probably coming across in the way you write it and if it's fun you know like there's certain things we can't be fun about if it's you know like excel spreadsheets we probably just want to be functional but a lot of the sexual
0: sexual harassment we're not going to be fun about sexual (laughs) harassment (laughs) no,
1: there's certain things we just have to take seriously but i bet 90 percent of the content you're working on could benefit from some sort of um yeah little extra sprinkle of fun the other thing as well, just on a simple level, good copy adds value and bad copy doesn't. And if you remember that as an overarching rule, so for example, in a good piece of copy, like we said, it's easy to find the thing you're looking for because it's signposted, the, tech, the paragraphs are really short so you can skim read it. There's descriptions of the images. So fun fact, actually, the second most read thing on a page after the subheadings is descriptions of the images. So if someone's scrolling through your um, your piece of content and there's captions for what that is. People are probably looking at those. So for example, that's easy. It's easy to find, it's an engaging read, but in a bad piece of copy that doesn't add value, the is hidden probably in too much text, or it's too far down the content you have to scroll, or it's just a nightmare to read because there's no narrative to it. And I think the biggest reason that happens is because we're all conditioned normally to write in an academic setting, which sets us up to say, here's the intro for the copy, or the context, here's the long methodology part, and here's the conclusion. And in the real world, what people want is the reversed order. Here's the conclusion and the useful stuff that you found. Here's a bit of context. And then very last of all, here's the boring admin step-by-step thing of how we did it. So uh, yeah, I often empathize with people because we're all conditioned to add a bunch of preamble about the context, um, but people don't care about what we did. They cared about what we learned. And that's a mindset for copy as well. Try and communicate the thing you learn to people and that they need to know and then add some relevant context. But don't pre- like preface everything with a big wall of context before you get to the value. So yeah, simple ground rule is good copy does add value and bad copy just doesn't. It buries all the value amongst poor structure and bad writing. Yeah,
0: so I always feel about like navigating some people's sales pages, where it's like you have to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll to finally get to the bottom to find out like what their program even is and what does it offer and how much is it, right? It's like, so for me, I've always like I'm like, no, that comes first, like because that's what people want, like really want to know. um And then if they decide, okay, that that works for me, what what else is in there and included? And I think from an L and D perspective, I see so many of us, and I think it's inadvertent, right? I don't think it's something that we're trying to do, but I think that so much of the academic sense has does has spilled over into corporate learning and development. And I think we're slowly unraveling those threads. And, you know, with AI, we'll talk about that in a minute, too, you know, things are are changing very rapidly. But I think we can still get stuck in that academic sense of, uh of all of the almost like pre information. And I, I find people do that so much. And it's like, I always try to remind, uh, especially my cl- my executive coaching clients that I work with too, and my consulting clients over on the good learning side of, you, know, you have to tr- also trust your learners. Like they are not, they are not five years old. And I know there's so many like marketing things. They like speak to someone like they're five. And I'm like, I don't want to be spoken to like I'm five. Like I'm not five, I'm 35. <laughs> like, please don't patronize me like that. And I think a lot of sometimes our content almost assumes like this mindset that the- our learners don't don't know what's going on. And I think yeah. you can provide that context. So if they're reading that conclusion, they're like, huh, okay, how'd they get to this? Like, I don't, I don't quite understand that you're giving that, but for then maybe 95% who are like, yeah, okay, great. I, I already know all that other, other stuff. I just need to know the conclusion. It allows them to move on with their day and move on with their job instead of, again, you're wondering why your learning isn't quote unquote engaging. It's because you're bombarding them and not actually giving them the value that they yeah. need and your gifts giving all of that all that content, too much context.
1: Yeah, exactly that. You know, I think we get tempted to put everything we know about something into a piece of content. And I fall foul of this before, but what people want is the relevant context that solves the problem for them. So I always just like another simple rule. I tell myself the goal isn't for me to sound smart. It's for someone to understand. So if the four big pages of context only really is about me, dumping everything I know onto the page and it adds nothing to the end person, it's making me sound smart and it's not helping them. So think about the mindset and the context of where someone is when they're trying to use that piece of content Um, and that will just help you streamline it. And actually, I read a good book recently that was about internal presentations called Make It Count. But one of the best things I took from that from a content perspective is, and I do this as well, too often we will just open a document and start writing the piece of content. And what we need to be doing is planning it out before we start writing it. And his context was essentially that most people open a slide deck and then just start writing their presentation directly into the slides. And that's how they end up with so much content in this deck that just becomes overloaded with context. So yeah, a great thing to do is just plan out your content in a separate document before you start writing it. And therefore you can be a bit more objective. And instead of writing in a a stream of consciousness where everything just comes out of you, you can say, look, these are the main points people need to know. Also write down the mindset or context they're going to be in. And just use those as guiding principles to then plan it out and then write it as opposed to brain dump and then edit it and try and retrofit the mindset and things like that
0: yeah so many like uh, so many ideas went through my head when you're talking about that in terms of like also too, like what learn lnd we'll talk about this a little bit later too but what D can bring into the content marketing and the content creation side right because we are we're wired to prototype and to storyboard and to do to do those things too so i think for anyone listening they're probably like okay like that's how, yeah, that's when I create a presentation, that is what I do. I do storyboard. I do think about that. It's like, but when we're actually writing the content for it, when we are, you know, when we are marketing it, when we are creating our course descriptions, we're doing all of those things. To your point, we're opening up the blank document and we're doing that. So it's like, we actually know how to do that in L&D, but we're only applying it to like 10% of our actual job. And it seems like if we're able to say, wait, I have this mindset here, how do I now expand it and bring it over to these other things? Then that content that we thoughtfully curated and created will actually be found more, will be engaged with more, will be more useful and valuable because we're following those same steps everywhere else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a mindset that can be used everywhere to just how are we structuring this and planning it out so that when people read it, even if that's a Slack message, if it's an important Slack message, draft it in a doc and then paste it in there and truly ask yourself, is this communicating the thing that I want it to in the context that people are getting thousands of Slack messages every week? And unless I'm really intentional about, you know, like, what is the title of this? What's the value of it? Who's the audience? You can apply that same mindset across pretty much everything you do anyway.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking about so many different, so many different things. One of the things you mentioned too, made me think about, um, like our work with subject matter experts. Right. And so it's kind of going, kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here, but when you mentioned that, you know, including everything because it makes them sound smart. Um, and I don't think that, and again, I don't, I think that's probably not, it's probably more subconscious than it is, you know, conscious and not super intentional, but I think a lot of times too if we as L&D professionals are working with subject matter experts to create content well they're the subject matter expert and so they're of course they're going to most likely give us a lot to work with and how do we now take all of that content and say okay this is going to make that person sound really smart but how do I actually now help the person and I'm wondering too it made me think like do we need subject matter experts? Do we need like subject matter, like next steppers, right? Like who's, who I always say to my client, like especially my business coaching clients, I'm like, you don't have to be a hundred steps in front of someone to help them, right? Like you Mm -hmm. need to be one step ahead of someone to be able to to help them. And I think, uh, you know, it might allow us to look at subject matter experts differently and say, okay, rather than the person who is the smartest in the room on this, why don't we go to someone who's like, just learned it and is doing pretty yeah. good at it, you know, yeah. and, and be able to tap into their their brain too. So it made, that mindset shift made me think about how we even approach gaining that content to then turn it into learning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess one thing is thinking about the context experts, you know, like you said, someone might be, we might both do a sales. context
0: but... expert. I yeah. like that a lot. Because
1: well, someone, if someone is like the head of sales um, and I just joined in my first sales role, they can tell me very useful stuff but how applicable is it to me and actually how much can I relate to that person because they seem so many steps ahead of me whereas like you said someone who's just learned it or maybe a year ago they were in my shoes that person might be able to give me more relatable advice because they understand my role better and that is like a good content marketing principle anyway is to just try and understand your audience as best as you can Um, especially in a contextual sense, like what is the intent of that person when they go into that piece of content? And if it is someone who's just joined a sales role recently, they're not going to have the same intent or advice from someone who's been in it 20 years might not always be applicable. I think maybe the pitfall that also happens in content marketing is trying to capture it from the highest source and filter it down because you think that someone with a lot of prestige or has been doing it a long time is going to have advice that translates to everyone but potentially not, especially if your audience is all people in entry-level roles, then you might want to just say the subject matter expert actually is the person who's done that more recently, or is an expert in just that one niche that they work in. So I totally agree.
0: Yeah, it's like your subject context expert instead of like subject matter expert. I don't know. I think yeah. we are onto something here. I'm gonna rename it later. We're gonna you know rename it. We're gonna revolutionize. What? Yeah.
1: I was just going to say another useful test that you can put to, say someone gives you a lot of insight into something and you're stuck with all this big amount of copy and you don't know what to do with it. There's a simple rule called the so what test. And it's basically start with the, in mind what your audience wants from this content. And after every three paragraphs, if you can't answer, so what? So if someone asked you, well, so what? If you can't answer that, then it's probably not useful copy. So say like, that's mm-hmm. how we know if it's just too much context. Because if someone comes to you and goes, I want to resolve this issue where I need to respond to customers when the system's down and you've written three paragraphs and well, the system is this and the certification for the system is this and we've had it in the company for this long. The person will say, so what? But if it starts with, we know the system's down, we need to respond within two hours. Here's the way you would do it. That passes the so what test because I go, right, I know this is going to solve my problem. So yes, yeah, so what all of your copy every few paragraphs and that will help you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's an anything that we do because I think there's probably, I'm going to throw a random yet conservative number. I bet you 70 to 80% of our learning content doesn't pass that test.
1: Yeah. yeah and it's not even learning content. It will be a lot of people with yeah. their blogs. They're aiming for an arbitrary word count to meet some sort of SEO requirement. And therefore they think that we call it skyscrapering, But just adding like a huge load of content is going to help. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, the main thing is for people to find what they need. So the so what test is even more copywriters and more content marketers should be applying the so what test as well and therefore i'm gonna use i'm gonna use
0: that in, in my book And it's interesting too because i was given a a care when i was writing my where I, I am still writing it but uh given a character count to shoot for right three to four thousand per chapter and you know i was writing and one of my chapters was like 1900 and i was like i don't i can't if I I wrote to them, I was like, I, I can make it three thousand. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Um, my mom's a, an editor too, and she was editing it and she was cutting words. I'm like, wait a minute, don't cut we'll all these those. words. You know, yeah. I'm gonna need those. And so I talked to them, and they're like, No, we'd yeah. rather the point get across. You know, yeah. um, if That's every
1: chapter,
0: yeah, if, if every chapter is a thousand words, okay, then we have to look at moving some chapters together. But yeah. for the most part, yeah, in one of my chapters, I got it across in 1,900 words, and I went back and I was like, I just there's nothing I can. I can add that actually is going to add value. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a limit, not a target. This applies to every piece of content. Like if you're recording a short video and you record it and it's like a tutorial and it just lasts a minute, then there's no need to start adding waffle to it just because you think "Hmm, a minute seems short. Like it's, yeah, it's not a a target. It's a limit. It's it's like not a target we're aiming for. So I think that's a great mindset as well. If it can be said in 50 words and don't use 500, if it can be captured in a loom video in one minute, don't do some sort of two hour Spielberg thing where you're trying to Excel tutorial people to like boredom, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think it's such a great, you know, and great way to, to think about, you know, how we, how we create and what that looks like. And it also allows us to, I think, to be faster in creating too, right. And be able to get, get content out, get copy out much quicker because we're not, you know, being so, steadfast on yeah. well it has to be this long and oh if it's only a minute and i i had a i had a leader early on who i love but i remember him saying something and it always like hurt, like it not hurt like that's a, that's an exaggeration um but i always like felt a little off and he's like oh well we have them this is like back in you know 2012 uh when we would you know, there was very not as much online training as there are now now and not lots of different um modalities and I remember him saying, well, we have them for eight hours. So we need to fill eight hours. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, there's nothing else I can tell these people. Like, like I, I, I already, I I could barely fill four hours. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Ta- like, what, you need me to fill four more hours with them. Like their eyeballs are going to fall out of their head. Like, why don't we let them go home? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, why don't I let them actually digest this or, you know, like, or to do something else, and so yeah. I, I, I really love that idea of, yeah. you know, there that whatever it is, it is, and if, yeah. if it's not passing the so what test, it's probably too long, it's probably too much.
1: Yeah, and another good lesson on that is often what you'll hear from SEO is people talking about long tail and short tail keywords. Like a long tail keyword is like um has like seven to eight words maybe, and it's like how do I defrost my fridge when it's not been defrosted for two years like there's a lot of detail to it and then the first one would just be defrosting in the fridge would be a short tail one and what you often find is people target these short tail ones because they're quite niche but if you apply that mindset to content you create Rather than having one resource that has all five different ways to add someone to your system, what if it's like, how do I add someone to my system from a MacBook and that's a resource and therefore it can be as short as you want because it's very context specific, then you can do the same for Google Chrome or whatever your browser is, you know, there's all these examples where Going specific could mean shorter content, but it's more applicable. And that's often the trap people fall into is, again, like, let's just create one resource that covers all eventualities. When really, if we just broke it out, we wouldn't be doing this like it's two hours long and loads of it's not relevant to you. It's just covers one thing, simple as you're in and out, and you know the thing you need to know now.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm switching to a new, we were talking about this before, um, and we'll talk about technology in a second too, but I'm switching to a new platform called Heartbeat and I'm—I was talking. We we're talking about, ahead of time about how I'm doing all the admin and behind the scenes thing. And I'm learning a brand new platform. I've never used this before, and I have found their videos so helpful because they're all one and a half, two minutes long. Uh, they're all hyper specific about one thing. I—I you know, was looking to figure out how I can add tears to something, and I typed in tears, and that came up. And it's a Loom video. It was previously recorded live, right? And, and Perfect. Right. It g- gives me exactly what I need. I'm able to put it on two times speed because I like to my brain likes to go that fast. Okay. And it was perfect. Like, but if I if it was like, here's where you find tears and it's yeah. like I already know I already got there. Done I already got thing. there on, on my own. Yeah. So I I love that. Um, The Loom
1: video is interesting because it, it applies to that same principle of done is better than perfect. The thing you mentioned before that people spend so long, like trying to create this really long thing or make it super polished, but you know, that Loom video probably took someone two minutes and it probably took them one minute to upload it. So within five minutes, they've created a resource that can help people now because people are facing problems. Now, if they've gone away and said, well, we're going to use an animator and it's going to be super fancy, it might be four months before we add all of it to our YouTube channel or our support center. But that's four months of people not being able to solve problems. So done is better than perfect is a mindset. Obviously set yourself minimum standards, but yeah, try and apply that to your content as well. If it's going to solve a problem that we're facing right now, creating it quicker will be more helpful than delaying it and going through red tape to make sure it's meeting all of these arbitrary requirements we set ourselves. I love
0: that. And I think it goes along the lines too of like, the pace and technology. And I know, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking too, well, how can AI help me be a better copywriter, a better content marketer inside of my organization with my l programs and content that I have? So how has and how will AI change the copywriting game? And how do you think that impacts L&D professionals?
1: I'm actually playing a very long game at the moment where I'm resisting AI as much as I can on a hunch that in the long term, it could end up being penalized, the content that's created with AI. So every time Google has done some sort of update, it's been around human centric content that solves problems for people that taps into personal experience. And what most people are doing at the moment is they're just creating more content quicker, so they're adding more noise. And if they don't already have principles in place for creating good content, they're just scaling the amount of useless content they're creating. So I think the same mindset applies from copywriting to L&D is just, someone mentioned to me this before, but are you just going to scale your problems if you just create more content using Ooh. AI? Um, our CEO, Nelson, has this great point that Content right now isn't the problem. In the past, maybe it was we don't have enough content, but now you think about how much content there is. So discovery is the issue. So mm-hmm. you could just be making things worse if you just start diving headfirst into creating before getting all your ducks in a row. And this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to play the long game um, a little bit. I had um, Egla Vinay-Scalta on the podcast as well, who people should follow in LD for AI insights, but she made this great point that There are no best practices yet, just common practices. So now I'm in this constant mindset of, are people just saying they're doing this? And am I falling for it as like a Trojan horse for this is the best way to do it? And really, people are just doing this en masse, but we don't have evidence that it's useful yet. So uh, there's a great example, actually. There's about three... Or four weeks ago, this company were bragging about how they did this SEO heist where they copied all their competitors' content or like all the keywords they were targeting, used AI to create it. Now, their traffic has risen more than they could have imagined. Three weeks later, someone posted an update from a competitor saying that website now has less traffic than when it did this before because they've been penalized for scaling this poor quality content. So, yeah, I think my advice for LNG teams would just be. What problems are you actually trying to solve and is more content going to solve them? Because if not, all you'll do is add noise. And we know from you know the first point we discussed is awareness of your content and people seeing your content as valuable, that makes or breaks you. So if you only add more clutter to an existing problem, then people won't see you as valuable. So um, maybe I'll be wrong. I might not be vindicated in the long run, but I feel like it's a strong footing anyway.
0: Yeah. I've, a lot of the research I've been seeing too, and I, it's interesting because I, I mean, I am not writing any science experiments behind the scenes here, but I'm using AI for some things and then, but not for others. And so there's a lot of stuff that I'm still like, it's me and I'm writing it and I'm writing every word. Um, and there's some things where I will, you know, have a summary of something that I said somewhere that I'm like, all right, AI, help me, help me summarize my summary, right? And it's interesting to, I actually see that though, my AI posts, even though I go back and I edit them and I make them sound a little bit more like me, um, always perform less, always perform worse than when I write. Um, and it's, re- it's, it's yeah. And I, and I think it sounds like me, right? Like I, I read it and I'm like, it sounds like me, but uh, yeah, I think there's, I don't know what, what, again, I'm not running a legit science experiment yeah. here, um, but it's, it's interesting to see that. And I think it's going to be to your point, right? Like there's, there's, I, I love that idea. Like there's common practices. um, And it, it reminds me of when I coach people on careers, right? Where there's, there's a lot of common practices like, oh, this worked for me. So I'm going to share that. Okay, great. That's not necessarily a best practice that happened to work for you. Right. But like, where's the wide scale data versus, Hey, here's, here's what, thousands of people have done and have yielded these results. And now we can say, oh, when we look across those thousands of people, here are some best practices. And so I think that's a really, not even for copyright and not even for content creation, but just for AI adoption in general to think about that. Um, And I always like to look at AI of like, where can it, Where I like to use it more administratively, like where can it solve some administrative things for me? Um, And I think for L&D professionals, there's a lot of administrative things that we're doing um, that AI can help streamline for us as well. So it's, I always like to think about it now, and maybe I'm in the same camp as you, and who knows if we're right or wrong, (laughs) but like, how can we use AI to free up that time so we can be more human?
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest point of that is context, because there's certain things AI just doesn't know the context for. So an example that we've discussed before um, at How Now is, you know, say you need to map potentially 10 skill frameworks for different roles in your company. Now, that manually is going to take you a lot of time. You could ask AI to say, look, based in the UK, this type of role, what would be the skills you'd expect this role to have? And then you can analyze that and apply the context. You go, well, actually, we don't do this internally, but you can use it as a starting point to your, to your point of streamlining the things that normally take you a lot of time because um, especially if you're a small team, it is difficult to resist something like AI because you don't have yeah. a lot of bandwidth. And if it can help you do more, it's just making sure you're intentional about it's not helping you do more of the wrong things. And instead it's freeing up time to do the right things. And I think if, as long as you apply context to that, then you'll be fine.
0: Yeah, that's really great. And I think that's just AI across the board and um it'll be yeah, an interesting year as we ride, ride that wave. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you. We kind of talked with us a little bit more a little earlier about like the idea of like storyboarding and things like that, but you I mean, how now um, is the first L and D company that you've worked for, right? So what is one thing from the L and D industry that has influenced you and in how you write, copy and make content?
1: Yes, this is a super easy one because it's something most L and D teams do better than content marketers. And it's knowing when you're the expert in something and knowing when you're not. So a lot of copywriters it's similar for L&D, like our bread and butter is that we're good at copywriting or we're good at LD or we're good at marketing, but we also have to kind of be experts in all these other things. And what LD does better than content marketers is accepting when it's not the expert in something and speaking to an expert, whereas most content marketers and copywriters just go full steam ahead, blag it, pretend they know this thing, write a piece of content and then only add volume of content that's not useful. So something I've done since coming into this space is to speak to experts, especially when I've got a blind spot in my knowledge, and then take what they share with me and integrate it into my content. So that has been a big game changer for me. I've spoke to like professors, authors, all sorts of people in the LND space. It's helpful that L&D people are really nice and welcoming and willing to chat. Uh, but yeah, that L&D teams do that infinitely better than content marketers. So keep doing that, and being aware of when you're not the expert and bringing in outside opinions because copywriters do not do that well.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we take it too far where we're like, we actually we do know this, and we can talk about it. But we're like, wait, I gotta go yes. talk to a subject matter expert. Yeah, so uh, I think there's a, a happy medium in there too. But yes, I, I think that's something so special that we do, and that we're you know open to getting lots of different opinions and experiences and expertise, and being able to put them all together. And I think that's where there's such a beautiful like symbiosis between copywriting and content marketing and content creation of you know if we're able to do that at all levels it's just going to be be magical for the person who is the the consumer of it too yeah
1: no, absolutely
0: so switching gears a little bit to to content management and marketing right so we really covered a lot in terms of like copywriting and what's good and what's bad and you know what what we should be focusing on there where where do you think L&D falls short in in marketing their content? And, and where, where do you think there's room for improvement and how they can improve on that?
1: Yeah, I think one of the pitfalls L&D falls into that content marketing does as well, and it's more of like a process type thing, is ending up on the hamster wheel of just creating more content with this kind of misplaced belief that creating more demonstrates more impact. The problem is when we do that, It influences how much time we can spend distributing our content. We can spend optimizing and updating our content. It limits the amount of time that we can spend telling stories about how it helped others because the mindset is, well, I've just finished creating this thing. I hit publish. I create the next thing. But really, if you think about the 80-20 rule, I would imagine that 80% of your content views is coming from probably 20% of the content and if you spent time maybe optimizing that content so it was more applicable to the context or building it up based on feedback that people gave you you would probably have more impact than if you simply went back on the hamster wheel of creating again so I think that is a a pitfall that plagues a lot of content marketers and a lot of L&D people to the earlier point often more content isn't the answer so funny enough like last year i don't think i wrote a single new piece of content for six months which most people would in like a content marketing role would probably be worried they were going to be sacked but the whole point was that i spent that six months going this is our most viewed content this is where it can be improved this is the most uh, used content is it still relevant and should i update it This is good content, but it's not been seen by enough people. So how do I promote it to them? So it's more about this mindset of if we stop creating more and just end up on a loop doing that, we'll free up time to say, I can do all these other things to get people to see my content, for it to be impactful, improve the perception of what I do in the company. And that is like their biggest pitfall, I think.
0: Oh my goodness. I really hope that everyone listening just like hits the rewind 30 seconds to a minute and at, like pauses and writes down those three questions that you just asked because I, Gary, I think you like that those questions would revolutionize the way that we do work. Like, I'm like, I'm having a moment right now because I don't, I mean, I think we, I think we pause, I think we say, oh, is this good? But to actually take the time to do that, and to your point, it was six months, right? Like, that's in the grand scheme of you know, businesses that are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, like, that's nothing. But the impact that that has and how you're able to really figure out what is working, what's not working. I love that last question too of like, what is good that's not being utilized? And I think we really, really skip over that step and we're like, oh, it must not be good. Like no one's utilizing it. And we, we, we make that deduction, but that's not actually true. And so to go back and to really look and ask ourselves those questions, like I think that will be the biggest game changer for anyone in l and um, yeah. So I hope everyone pauses and re- I, I'm reflecting now. I'm like everything I've created and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having an existential crisis right now. Um, I have to go through all my content and I have to do this. Um, but yeah, I think that's such a, a great way of, of assessing um, because we are on the hamster wheel and yeah. I'm even like running my own business. I, I'm guilty of that too, of I got to create more. I got to create more. I got to create new. And I had a epiphany a couple weeks ago i was like oh what 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 new course am i going to create and like why do i i cover everything like i cover everything like what do, what do i mean what new course am i going to create like i already cover everything how can i spend time to your point marketing what is already working and what's already yeah. what people are already seeing results in so um yeah. I'm definitely having like a spiritual experience in this conversation. I hope other people are too. A lot of I'm revelations. Glad, I've
1: also, I mean, I'm glad, <laughs> but I've also caused you a headache because you'll probably, like you said, go back and review a lot of stuff. But I guess that's another thing that copywriters or content marketers do well that L&D could learn from. Like often it's good content, just packaged the wrong way. So you might hear marketers talk about creating something natively. So for example, how, what is the best format for this channel? So, for example, if we've got a two-minute video and we're going to upload it to TikTok, we might just say, take the 30 seconds that work. If it's LinkedIn, we know carousels might work. So, let's not do this long text post. Let's put it into a carousel format so more people are going to find it. So, I think creating for context is a good example of something content marketers do well that L&D teams could do better, maybe, is working out the context of where someone is when they're going to apply that. So, you know, earlier we talked about a Loom video, but what if we know... majority of our workers work off of one screen and therefore it's harder for them to follow a tutorial in real time and follow the steps so we might actually go it's better if we just do a text step by step with images so i think thinking about your content in that way as well what is the context of where it's going to be applied and how can we stack the odds in our favor that it's going to be consumed by the person because we know their intent so yeah i think that's part of it and we do this by freeing up time for ourselves by not just creating more we go you know like people have come to us and said this is a problem but they're not consuming the content that we've created about that problem so actually the delivery mechanism is probably off and um, so that is probably the easiest mindset to apply to that it's just you've got good content but maybe the delivery was the thing that meant it didn't connect with people as opposed to the content's trash i need to rewrite the thing it's well, actually let's look at like I said, are people asking you for that content still? And you know you've created it. That's a telltale sign that the discovery is the problem, or the mechanism delivery is the problem.
0: Yeah, it's easy to go zero to a hundred of like, oh, it must suck. I have to I have to redo it. So I, I yeah, my wheels are spinning in such a good way. And I, and I just think too, in terms of how we approach, not just copywriting and not just content marketing, but how we approach the actual you know, creation of it too. Like that context piece is so important. And so I know people listening now, like, I mean, again, everyone's probably having this existential crisis slash spiritual experience right now, like I am, but how can people listening grow their copywriting or content marketing skills or both to use an L&D? Like what, what practical tips do you have that people could start focusing on today?
1: Yeah. I think the easiest thing, because I'm aware that Often if I time block time every week to practice a certain thing, it will just get overridden by other things I need to do. So the mindset is what is sustainable is to just treat every day-to-day task as an opportunity to apply some of the copywriting techniques we spoke about today. So if it's a Slack message, an internal email, a calendar invite, like we can start making our calendar invites more like the titles of the content we want to create. Engaging, communicates the value, stands out. So I think that's a better way to look at it because... Personally speaking, like when I started doing our podcast, I didn't really have a lot of opportunities to practice the podcast skills other than the podcast. So all I would do was if I was having a meeting with someone for 30 minutes, I would just try and apply all the rules that I wanted to in a podcast, like try and be succinct in the way I communicate start and end my sentences with the same energy these are all things i wanted to do in the podcast but i just needed more opportunities to do it so on meetings i would just treat it like that and i would just apply the same mindset to copywriting when you write a piece of content apply these rules even when you do the emails or slacks just apply that because i know that the long-term thing is this is about repetitions rather than it is about once a week trying to spend an hour and actually it gets overridden and therefore you've not done it for three weeks just try and bake in opportunities every day And if you want a good book, the one that I mentioned, the four use framework earlier, is a book called The Art of the Click by Glenn Fisher. So I'll send you the link to that later.
0: Um, But yeah, that's a
1: great one because it looks at direct sales copywriting, which is essentially copywriting pre-internet and how that can be applied today. Because the fundamentals of that still stand true today, even 50, 60 Mm -hmm. years on. So, yeah, bake in the opportunities. and, And if you wanted that one book, I'd recommend The Art of the Click by Glenn Fisher.
0: Amazing. So, tell us a little bit about. Uh, I know we're we're getting close on time, but about how now and what you all are working on over there.
1: So, if anyone doesn't know, how now we're a learning platform. We're based in the UK and Mumbai. And the big problems we solve for people are things like centralizing all their scattered knowledge into one place so that can be found at the end of one search. So what I mean by that is we integrate with tools like Slack so people can save Slack messages within their learning space, integrate with things like HubSpot and Intercom, so people can then surface that knowledge when they're actually encountering problems, help people do things like measure and close their skills gaps automate time consuming tasks. So particularly maybe around things like compliance or updating data by integrating with HR tech. So that's a very brief summary of what we do, but people can learn more at gethownow.com. I've really been impressed by some of the small tweaks. I think it's fitting of the conversation that it's not the big things that have impressed me lately, but our team have been working on some great stuff. Like for example, we now have a review feature within content so, content in How Now can be ranked by people when they're consuming that content. So, we spoke earlier about the mindset of someone trying to apply content within context. We now have a mechanism to capture how useful that was when they were actually trying to apply it, rather than sending a survey disconnected from the moment of application later. So, small things like that are actually the ones that interest me. And I know they're working on. AI generated pathways so do we use the data we have to recommend learning pathways for people um, that are relevant to their job and their progress so some small like tweaks that I like that are really come in with the platform uh, marketing wise we've got some good content coming in 2024 we have a podcast called l and Disrupt which you've been on before that people can go check out just published a 2024 l trends report, which people can check out as well, which rather than our own research, it consolidates more than 20 different reports together, key findings, how we got there, how you can um, tackle those in the new year. And then just more of the same next year, really.
0: Awesome. So I know after listening to this episode, people are going to, if they don't already follow you, are going to want to know more about you and learn more about you and learn from you. So where can people connect with you to learn more about you?
1: Yeah. Best place is just LinkedIn. If you want to ask any copywriting questions, just ask um, away on there. My URL is gary-stringer-copywriter because you have to be your own personal brand champion. Um, And other than that, you can listen to the L&D Disrupt podcast. If you just go to gethownow.com forward slash disrupt, you can sign up to our mailing list to find out about old episodes there. But normally I speak to people every two weeks, sometimes more frequently about tackling these big L and D issues in practical ways, like we've been trying to do today. But yeah, please do connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear people's feedback and and share more with them.
0: Yeah, well, Gary, it's been a very eye opening conversation for me. It's funny because in the beginning, I said I mentioned it when we talked, and then also as we recorded this episode about how I we were going to kind of cover that that more basic level to make sure we're all aligned. And I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I have some deeper questions. I personally would love to know. But I'm so glad we went this direction because. There's so many basic things that I'm reflecting on now for my own business, my own consulting side when I'm working with clients. I know I'm already thinking about the applicability of what we're talking about too, in terms of people, even in their careers, right? Like their resume, like thinking like a copywriter, like there's just so many, so many pieces and so many nuggets um, from today. And so I can't thank you enough for starting there basic and really being able to, to help us create context around all of this and understand how copywriting and how content marketing could really be applied across the board and everything we do. And the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways I got was what you had said at the end too, of like, how can we start to incorporate these in all the things that we're doing? And what a great way to learn uh, by doing that. So I just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll have more to talk about. I know, like I said, I already said, I want to have you back on so we can dive even deeper into all of this and understand more and go to a, a whole new layer, but I can't thank you enough. So thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: No, no. Thanks for having me on. And you're like, I said I'd love to come back on and chat about it more so really appreciate it
0: thank you so much for listening to the L&D Career Club podcast if today's episode sparked anything inside you I would love to hear about it feel free to share your ahas and takeaways by sending me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram or by leaving a podcast review And if you want more support on your L&D career journey, I invite you to join us inside the L&D Career Club membership, where we are redefining what it looks like to grow in your L&D career. Visit theovernighttrainer.com slash programs for more information and to activate your membership. See y'all back here next week.